Welcome to Accounting Insider. I'm Andrew Montessi with Kim Nitschke. And Kim, we're back. It's been a while, mate. Yes, last episode, we missed you. Oh, no. The, I, um, I listened in, mate, and it was a cracker, so well done. The, the ratings were fantastic. Yeah, your hosting was a bit average, so I'm glad I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> I get that. So we're back on to uh, your world of property, which is always fascinating and full of plenty of stories, as you tend to be. Now, you're in the market for another commercial property, and this one's for yourself. Yes. So currently the portfolio is at five, and Sophie, my wife's very conservative, uh, to the extent that uh, she thinks we've got enough. However, she's happy to buy a new office next to the school in Kent Town. Now, if you understand where Kent Town is, it's about a kilometre from the CBD of Adelaide. Great suburb. Was a little... Um, I don't know, sort of semi-industrial, semi-working-class hub for all the people 100 years ago who used to be the workers for Adelaide. Now it's sort of grown into this really groovy, um, bolt-on sort of suburb right alongside of Adelaide. And there's a lot of offices there that the, the industries are being squeezed out, but there's sort of some houses. There's a real mix in that suburb, but it's just been rezoned. Mm. Um, so property prices have escalated and you can now build to a level of about five stories high. Um, property values were about $1,000 a square metre there. Now they're about 3000 which is probably cheap compared to Sydney, Melbourne. But for Adelaide, that's very expensive. It's a really tightly held little suburb. Um, but this, so, you know, you can see all the chess pieces on the board moving together such that I'm in a position now where I can confidently go out and buy another property, which I've been wanting to do for some time. Um, I've got my wife on side. Um, I can choose a property that it's an opportunity for me to make more money, right? The prices in that suburb have gone up pretty significantly, oh, haven't they? They are out of control. Um, it's going to be a massive step for me to get in there. I'm looking at just for a rundown office, like more or less like a shed in the middle of a block, it'll be one million plus. Jeez. <laughs> and so I can get in at a million and then I'm going to have to renovate on top of that. But what I want to do today is unpack this whole story of what I go through in my mindset and the thought process and the actual mechanics of me acquiring a property. Because people look at my portfolio and they go, oh, well, you started 10 years ago or you were lucky with that one or, well, it's not really. There's quite a bit to actually acquiring the property. And that sort of was alluded to two episodes ago, or maybe three episodes ago, when we were talking about that property that I acquired for my friend. Mm. But now I'm doing it for myself and I just want to actually um, outline all of the the little um, the little exercises that I'm going through to actually secure the property. I haven't got it yet, so mm. it's a work in progress, but I just want to lay down all of the little stories that I've encountered so far. Have you identified the property that you want? No. Okay, so how are you, as you mentioned, Kent Town is bloody hard to get in mm. with. Well, how are you actually going through the process of identifying the property? Well, the first thing I do is I look at Real, Real Commercial, which is the commercial website for commercial property. Then I drive down all the streets and then I start getting a picture in my mind of where, what I like and what I don't like. And then it starts from there. And pretty much the answer is there's nothing for sale, right? So everyone, most people give up, mm. not me. <laughs> so this is where the journey begins. It's like, well, now I'll be lying awake at night thinking, 
if I want to get in there, what, am, what can I do that no one else is doing? Who do I know who's already in there? So did you know anyone who's in there? Well, I did. Um, a friend of mine who's an accountant, and this is, these are all long shots, really long shots. So I rang up my friend Nick Corbett, who's, who, who I went through um, college with, and then we went through university together, and he's an accountant. He chose the renting um, track as opposed to buying an office. So he was renting on one of these streets, and over a couple of beers one day, he said to me, oh, look, you know, my landlord's a great guy. He's got this import business. He owns a heap of properties in that street. Um, and, you know, we're getting really cheap rent. And I thought, well, he might be a person that's worth contacting to see whether he wants to offload any of his properties. So I just sent Nick a text and I said, can you send me your old landlord's name and number? So I just rang him out of the blue. <laughs> and he was sort of a bit taken back, as most people are, like, who the hell's ringing me? You know, I'm a busy guy. What do you want? So I spoke to him and I said, look, you know, I know that you were Nick's landlord and you've got quite a few properties there. Have you got anything for sale? He said, no. He said, no, I don't have anything for sale, don't know anything for sale, but the going rate is about $3,000 a square metre. So I got a piece of information from him that was a really good sort of starting point. Mm -hmm. And then who did you move on to next? Uh, the next one was, so, you know, once you start going down this track, you, you, um, you know, you know, it's like when you're looking for a BMW 318i up until the point that you realise you want to buy one, you don't actually notice them all on the road. Yeah, okay. Right. So I'm going through the paper and I noticed in the suburb across the road, which is still perfect, um, there was a, a half page article in the advertiser about a guy who had been slapped a $50,000 fine for not renovating his property in Paynham. It's quite a well-known place. It that, is. That, that property because it looks horrible. It's falling apart um, and it's in a pretty kind of premium location so it stands out. It does. So I read the article and I thought, I've got to ring this guy because I might be able to solve his problem. I'll pay his $50,000 fine. I'll buy the property cheap. It's a nightmare for him. You know, because there was, there was hints in the article that um, – so what had actually happened was he bought – a block of land. I did the research and actually had a hall on it as well. So he's been renting out the hall, but it's got this derelict old butcher shop. Yeah, that that's the thing. Is you see. 150 years old. It looks amazing. It's made out of stone. It's a single fronted cottage. So it's tiny, long, and narrow. And it's got graffiti all through it. It's been boarded up with corrugated iron. It, it's, it look, it's an eyesore. But I was thinking I'd renovate that and it would come up and look amazing. And I could deal with the council and say, well, look, I'm going to do this. These are my plans. These are the architects and people I've got on board. Um, so the next step was how do I contact him? So there were bits and pieces in the article. The, the journalist had actually been to the, the court case um, and found that he had transferred this company, his um, property to a offshore company in Panama to get away from the, the council's request that he renovate it. Wow. So he'd got some, obviously, some legal advice or some planning advice and and the judge in the court case listed the name of the company. They did a search and they said it was a sham because, and then so I did my own research. I, I searched this co company. It was based in Panama. All these directors and secretaries were just, you know, Panamanians that you've got no idea who they are. But the correspondence 
when I checked with the land titles office was being sent to a Kent Town address. Right, so here we are. He sold it to Panama and yet all the correspondence basically is going to his address in Kent Town. You know, so the council, like I did, put two and two together and thinking, well, if it's owned by a Panama company, wouldn't the correspondence be going to Panama? Anyway, I did some more research on this guy. I looked him up on Facebook, which is I find better these days than looking him up in the telephone directory. He was there. I requested to become his friend. He didn't accept my request. And then I looked him up in the phone book. I searched his company. I found that his, I found the address in which he lived. I looked it up in the reverse telephone directory. It didn't have a telephone number connected. So You're going full stalker here. I'm going full stalker. It's almost like private detector level, <laughs> isn't it? Private detective level. Um, the next thing I did was I Googled him and I saw that he'd won a race in Speedway like about 10 years ago. So I have a customer who is a Speedway fanatic. So I rang him and I said, do you know this guy? And he goes, yes, I do. I said, have you got his number? And he says, very secretive guy. Leave it with me. So nothing came out. Two days later, I sent him another text to follow it up. And back five minutes later, I got his name and his number texted to my phone. So I rang him up out of the blue and he was just totally, no, it took me like half a day to get in touch with him because I rang him and he obviously didn't recognise my number so he didn't pick up. And then there was, you know, I, I texted him or something and he rang me by accident, right? And he, then he hung up and then he sent me a text because he was obviously avoiding me, but he said, sorry, pocket call. And I thought, that's weird. So I thought, but I've got him now because I said, oh, that's fine, but can you, when can I speak to you? And he said, ring me in half an hour. So I rang him in half an hour and I said, oh, look, you know, I read the article and I'm really interested in buying your property. I might be able to solve your problem. Are you interested in selling it? He said, well, no, I did sell it three years ago or five years ago, whatever. He said, I don't own it. And I said, well, um, I saw that you transferred it, but they said it was a sham. It looks like you still own it. He's like freaking out going, who are you? How'd you get my number? Like, <laughs> um, and so I, you know, I said, I, I got it off of Google because I was just trying to deflect it. And then he goes, no, 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 give me the name of the person that gave oh, you my jeez. <laughs> so I had to dob in the friend at the Speedway. Oh, the friend no, the so friend. You've, you've put your mate in it. Yeah, so I'd, God knows his life's probably a nightmare. But you know, I said, look, I'm not going to contact you again. I just want to know whether you, you know, I'm trying to backpedal rapidly. And he said, um, I don't own it. I'll pass on your details to the person who does own it. But I knew in my mind yeah. that that was just a throwaway line to say that he didn't want to sell it. But the point is I got pretty close to the source. Mm-hmm. Um, I found out all about his life history. It was a pretty sort of um, – he, he'd had sort of a rough run with um, people in the family, mm-hmm. um, you know, running into ill health and all of that sort of stuff. So he, I can see why he was wanting to remain secretive, but it didn't stop me from – pursuing him. Mm. Um, so that was one property. I got pretty close on that one. That would have been perfect. Another one was um, I thought of a story that a friend of mine had told me about one of his staff members who owned a coffee shop in Kentown. So I just rang him out of the blue and I said, you know, mate, you know when you were telling me about that, does that guy still own that property? He goes, yes, he does. He said, but he's already sold it. And I thought, okay, no worries. And I said, well, can I just ring him anyway? So I rang him. And he said, oh, 
Yes, he said, I still own the property, but I've sold it, but they're having trouble raising the money. Mm. So I thought, okay. I said, well, no pressure. If that falls over, here's my number. Give me a call. I'm pretty interested. So anyway, sure enough, three weeks later, he rings me and he goes, oh, you might not remember me, but you did contact me a while ago. The settlement's fallen over. They can't get the finance. Are you interested? So I went around, had a look. It was amazing, but they had this developer had gone in and bought four houses in a row and they were having trouble getting the finance. They'd spent a, real, a lot of money getting it all approved and they're sort of just stalling at the last minute. And he was trying to leverage off me to get penalty interest. You know, I could have bought yeah. the property, but the price that he'd offered was like about 400. So he'd been offered um, like $3,000 a square metre on a 500 square metre block. But that was a lot more than, like I'm hope. like when I saw this property, he'd gutted it and it would have taken me another $300,000 to reinstate it to an office status. It was perfect, but it's just that it had a few issues. I was thinking, okay, let's clock that one up. If it does fall over, maybe I'll come in with a lower offer down the track. Anyway, I've since found out that that one has since settled. The developer got the money. But again, that's- Getting closer and I'm closer. getting closer and closer. Then the next one that came up was, um, I've got a customer in that suburb who's building 33 apartments. So I rang him and I said, look, do you know anyone? You know, because often you're just in the street and you'll bump into the neighbour or whatever and they'll say, oh, look, I'm interested in selling. So I rang him and I said, look, do you know anyone? I said, in hindsight, I should have bought the ones that you bought because they were on the market for a while, but I didn't know the property was going to take, the suburb was going to take off as quickly as it has. He said, no, I don't. But he said, why don't you ring Greg, a mate of mine who bought a whole block next door and he's been carving it up. He said, I think he sold it all, um, but it's worth a phone call. And I thought, oh, no, it's a pretty long shot. I'm not going to worry about it. But then I was in – but, but I, I noted the guy's name and the area and um, my customer had told me that he paid a fortune, like record-breaking price. So that sort of flashes alarm bells in my mind mm. that, hey, I, don't want, I want to be getting a discount to market. I want to be paying a premium to market. Mm. So I didn't follow him up straight away. However – then I bumped into a Greek friend of mine um, crossing the street and I said to and he's like, um, he's in this sort of like Greek um, little um, subset in Adelaide of property developers and they- I thought every Greek in Adelaide was a property developer. Yeah, well, that's what I'm learning. <laughs> they control the lion's share of property transactions in Adelaide. And I've heard this from agents as well, like- that's why not a lot of commercial property comes up in Adelaide because it's all held by these Greek families and they all do deals amongst themselves. And I'm learning that now. So any chance to have a coffee with this guy. Um, that way I just, you change your name to Nishkopoulos? <laughs> <that's, laughs> uh, so anyway, I, I bumped into him and he was very keen to sort of catch up and, and, and have a chat. So I walked with him to collect his mail in the city <laughs> And then he was going to show me his new building that he'd bought in um, Perry Street. Mm. So I thought, fantastic. So we went in there. And then while we were having the conversation, I said to him, look, I'm really trying to he, – he was talking about properties in Adelaide. He said, do you still want anything in Adelaide? I said, not really. I'm trying to buy something in Kentown. He said, he said oh, give Greg a ring. He's trying to sell such and such coffee shop. Not the one that I was talking about just earlier, but the one across the road which has all been decked out in the latest and greatest, um, you know, fit out. 
and, it, and I've been in there a couple of times for lunch and I thought it was great. So I th- he said, ring him. So I th- walked away from his um, meeting, coffee with him, and thought, I've got to get onto that guy. So I sent him a text straight away and asked him for Greg's number. He didn't send it. So I rang back my customer. I said, can you g-? – I actually rang him and I said, can you give me Greg's number? So he gave me Greg's number. I rang Greg. He didn't pick up first time, so I rang him three hours later, which I don't think is too pushy. He didn't know me from a bar of soap. And he said, yeah, I've bought a whole block, but I've sold that coffee shop. But the one next door is tiny. You can have that. He said, I've never actually been through Just it. Just getting bounced around to all parts of Kent Town here. Yeah. But the thing is, this property, so I, I got it on Google while I'm talking to him. I said, okay, I didn't actually realise there was a property there. I said, it's a bit tight. I said, can you get parking at the back? He said, no, but I'm going to submitting new plans to council. I'm going to put three metre driveway down the side. He said, I want 575. He says, derelict. But I've got all these, I've got two other people who are interested who want to turn it back into a residence. And I said, okay. And he said, look, if you want to do a quick settlement, I'm keen for that because he obviously needed the money. He said, I'm trying to do all my developments now in Indonesia. And I thought, oh God, I'd love to be doing that as well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy with a Kent town at the moment. So he said, ring my architect, go around and get the keys. He's coming back from Bali tomorrow. So I thought, oh, he's coming back. He said, I'm coming, he's coming back from Bali today, but you can get the keys off him tomorrow. So I, I followed up on that, got the keys, had a look through. It's a little bit small for me, but it's a great property and it's a bargain. Um, but I'm waiting on this. He said his architect had done all these plans on it with a view for the architect going three stories high and moving, the, moving his architectural firm in there. So I'm getting all these plans for free. Mm. I've had a look. It's a bit small, but I want to see these plans and it might come up that, I can do something with it. But what I'm getting at is you can see this whole mm. chain of events that's taken place. From me putting the word out, I've actually uncovered all these properties that haven't hit the market that are really good buying. You know, one reason or another, they, they're not perfect, so I haven't stru- struck yet. But um, I'm starting to sort of like um, make massive inroads into something which was like an impenetrable suburb to mm-hmm. start with. Are you fairly flexible with the type of property that you're looking for? Because previously when you've spoken about your other investments, you've got a set formula, mm. but it seems like you're a bit open to what's available in Cape Town. Well, there's 200 properties that are in the right area. I'm happy to work with whatever to make it work. So, for example, another one is um, my cousin who's a – um, commercial real estate agent. He's actually um, doing something for me, um, you know, um, building a, a um, bike for me at the moment, <laughs> which is a whole different story. But <laughs> but as I'm going around and, and talking to him about that, I'm saying to him, look, do you know anyone in that area that's interested in selling with all your connections? And he said, yeah. He said, look, someone's come out. They've outgrown their space, not for profit, Um but it's a long shot. Um, I actually haven't seen their property, but have a look at it. It might come up because a shed that I've got out north of Adelaide is ideal for them and they're wanting to move into it and they've outgrown their place. So I went and looked at that. That is amazing, that property, but it's going to be super expensive, but it's about four times the size of what I need. So I'm thinking now of modifying my model so that I can rent out three quarters of it, cover all the interest payments plus a bit extra, and then use a quarter of it for my own purposes. So it's basically, it's a big 
um, industrial shed, I would rent half of it out because it's got a, um, mm. a wall down the middle. But so do you see what I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm manipulating? I'm, I'm um, massaging what my requirements would be and what my environment will be like to fit what's coming up mm. and what's available. Okay. So what else have you learned through this process? Um, so w- what I've learned is that as soon as you're onto a project like this, every waking hour needs to be brainstorming how you can take the next step in going down that road. You know what I mean? So if if I was if I was all consumed by another project or another, you know, by um, you know, if I put all my effort and energy into my accounting business, which I do, but when I've got spare time, I'm lying awake or I'm I'm driving, I'm getting all these creative ideas about mm. how I can get something there. You know, who can I speak to? What can I do to, you know? And what what I'm finding is if I put all my energy into doing something like this. Um, your results are nothing short of amazing. Mm. And one of your key philosophies that's been a common thread through the podcast is buying at a discount to market yeah. and then adding value. Yeah. So while it's such a big step, a million dollars plus for me, um, I'm only going to do it if there's a potential to buy at a discount to market for one reason or another. And usually if I'm buying privately, that's because there's heaps of people out there who are interested in it as well, but they don't know about it because it hasn't gone to market for one reason or another. The other thing is, so buying at a discount, then the other thing is adding value. So renovating, doing something to it um, that will either get me more rent or get more money for it if I go to sell it. I think another learning is that um, I went to a property seminar in Adelaide and it was a complete waste of time with a property guru up on stage and I thought oh, I should have been the one on the stage and I left <laughs> halfway through. But I did get a couple of little snippets of information. One of them was um, she, this person, and I won't mention her name, um, said that uh, you can do all these different deals but you're all going to end up basically subdividing at some point. Mm. That's a real – that was a key for me. So – Whatever it I'm doing now, I'm trying to subdivide. But if you're thinking outside the square with Kent Town, I'm actually subdividing upwards. Ah, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if I'm securing these blocks of land, offices, warehouses, whatever, I'm buying it and I'm buying the footprint and I'm only occupying the ground floor. But my kids, next generation, whoever, they'll bash it down and they'll go up four mm. or five stories. And you're not paying anything for that, but it's a factor that is constantly going to be a major plus for the project. And then your final tip is obviously farm the area. Yeah. So what we're doing is those 200, we are going to know them better than the owners in them. You know, like we're going to list them on a spreadsheet. We haven't done that yet. We're going to search every property. It costs $10 a property to look them up, find out who the owner is, where the correspondence is going, what price they paid for it. So for $2,000, we can have this amazing database. We can go around and photograph everyone, build that into a spreadsheet. You know how you can copy your photos in it. And then start approaching all of the Like we'll list the ones that we want. So we will start um, writing letters to these owners if nothing comes out of all this other stuff that's happening. And we will get it, but and it'll be an amazing property and we'll do another podcast on it. But I'm just saying that 
these things just don't always fall into your lap. There's quite a bit of science to it. And this is the process that I go through. So every time you've got an update, let's make sure we do another little episode and follow it right through. Absolutely. Cool. You've been listening to Accounting Insider. Connect with Kim at accountinginsider.net. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.